trusting God and His promises, even when it may be hard to do so. Next on Abounding Grace. It's the crossroads, is it not, between the promise of God, the promise of God, and the depth of our faith in God. They're always crisscrossing in the Christian's life. So where God has said something, but everything around me tends to lead me to believe that God's not going to keep His promise. And so then we're at a crossroads of what decision to make. Will we trust God or will we take things into our own hands? Will we trust God and His promises even if it hasn't been five years or 10 years or 20 years or 25 years? Or for some of you, God and His promises, it's going to be a lifetime. It's not going to happen right away. It doesn't mean that God's promises are of no effect, but it does reveal our faith, doesn't it? This is amazing grace. By and large, as Americans, we hate to wait. We start to squirm if we have to wait in line for more than five minutes. We want our meals fast and grow impatient on the freeways when there's a slowdown. On occasion, God has us in the waiting room and it can really test our faith. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor observes the faith of Abraham. Now, here was a guy that waited 25 years for a promise of God to be fulfilled. Imagine that. Let's see how he faced it and how it can be an encouragement to our own journey of faith. We're in Romans chapter 4. The focus of chapter 4 is Abraham. Paul is teaching us through Romans what it is to be justified by faith and how it's not of works, it's not by performance. In Abraham's life, he says here, here is the example. Abraham was not saved by his works. Abraham was not saved by his religious rituals. Abraham was not saved by the law. Abraham was saved by faith. The same way you and I are saved, by faith. He believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham becomes that practical example of what it is for a person to believe God and what happens through faith. Today, we look at his faith in a practical way because he was faced with a dilemma. He was given a promise of God and time passed. It's the same dilemma that you and I face from time to time, where we hear the promises of God, but they don't immediately come to pass. You hear the promise, you receive the promise, but then time passes. Now see, we're not too excited when time passes. Have you noticed that? We'll listen to verses like, Oh, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on like wings of eagles. They'll fly and be great and have freedom. And those are great verses until God asks you to wait. So I don't want to be an eagle, you know. I, I don't want to wait. I want the promise of God now. Everything in our society it caters to us getting things when we want them. You know, they have a saying in the business world, the customer's always right. The customer's not always right. There are times when you don't need that Egg McMuffin sandwich. You realize that. As fast as you want it, you, some of you don't need it at all. Your cholesterol is going through the roof, and the guy at the, behind the counter just say, you know what, I see your cholesterol on your forehead. Get out of here. You, know, you don't need this. <laughs> Everything in this world is designed to give us what we want when we want it. And so we're conditioned that way. 
We're conditioned to demand things. We're conditioned to want things. You know, if we don't get something fast enough at McDonald's, we want to lodge a complaint. How dare you? How could you? And all that comes from your fleshly desire to get things your way. I mean, isn't one of the sayings, is it Burger King, you know, have it your way? No, 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 no. You want it God's way. You want it God's way, whether you're at the supermarket, whether you're at the fast food joint, whether you're waiting on the Lord to perform a promise that he's given you, you and I, we want it God's way. The problem is, is we don't like waiting. I don't know too many people that like waiting. I mean, come on, okay, okay, I'll give it to you. Maybe some of you don't mind waiting for a week. You know, as long as God will come through next week, I can wait. Okay, good. Some of you might even bump that up to a month, right? Oh, I'll wait on God if it's next month. I mean, if it's, God, just tell me if it happens in January, I'll be cool. Just give me the date, January, I'm all right. Some of you might even bump it up to six months. Maybe even some of you might be able to leave here today, say, oh, I'm willing to wait a year on the Lord. But consider, would you be willing to wait for a year? Five years? Ten years? I lost most of you right there. Fifteen years? Twenty years? Would you be willing to wait on the Lord for 25 years? Do you know that's what Abraham had to do? Abraham, at 75 years of age, was given a promise. You're going to be a father of many nations. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to bless you, Abram and Sarai. I'm going to do it, God says. It's going to be the work that I do. And he received the promise, and then time passed. The bummer with time passing is it gives us opportunity to act out in the flesh. I hate my flesh. Do you like your flesh? I don't like my flesh. Whenever I think of the word flesh, my old nature, my old sinful habit patterns, and I think of Abraham and his flesh, you know what comes to mind? Ishmael. Ishmael. You know the story with Ishmael. It's like, God, you've given us a promise. It hasn't come to pass, but we have figured it out for you. We know how it's supposed to work. You know, my wife and I, we got together. We kind of assessed everything. We looked at our options, and there was Hagar. You know, she told me I could. She told me to take Hagar, and so I did. And here's our Ishmael. Look at Genesis chapter 17 for a second. Let's look at this waiting. This is the covenant, the promise repeated to Abraham, even after Ishmael. When Abram was 99 years old, verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and shall multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you, and I will also give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are strangers, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, I will be their God. So he repeats it. I have promised to you, not only have I promised to you, but it's already done in my mind, God says. You are a father. I've made you a father of many nations. So what is the response of Abram? Does he embrace the promise? He just says, yes, God. Well, jump down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. Or princess shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And I will bless her. And shall, she shall be a mother of nations. Kings and peoples shall be from her. 
And so you can just, Abraham's just so excited, right? He's like, yeah, I'm 90, now I'm 100. My wife's not too far behind. I'm all excited. And then he says in verse 17, then he fell on his face and laughed. <laughs> what a laugh, huh? Oh, yes, Lord, you're great. You're awesome. And notice what he said in his heart. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, you know, I can almost see it. Do you see her, God, Sarah? Sarah, she's 90 years old. 90 years old. Can you imagine having a kid at 90 years old? I know there's some like, you know, some stories out there. A mom that's 60 or maybe 65, you know, but 90? And that's what's on his heart. He's like, Sarah, my, my wife, I love her. She's great, but she's 90. 90 years old. Can she bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, oh, this is interesting. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Hmm. Abraham's got all figured out, doesn't he? Look at my wife impossible. Look at me, impossible. But you know what, God? We've got a kid for you. I mean, here he is. And he's not this small, but you know, here he is. Ishmael. Would you take Ishmael? Would you take the work of my flesh, God? Will you take the work of my flesh and bless it and honor it? Because after all, it lines up with your promise, right? The promise was we would have a child. Wrong. The promise would be that God would provide a child. Easy, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we can twist the promises of God to suit our own flesh. Now, don't misunderstand me. There will be later in Genesis chapter 17 where God can take the flesh and redeem it. He can take mistakes that we've made and turn them for good. He can say, you know, I know you've blown it. I know you've fallen. I know you've made a bad mistake, but not all is lost. I can help you, God says. But please don't ever mis mistake the work of your flesh for the promise of God. You see, Abraham's just like us, isn't he? You got the promise, there's time that passes, and in that time that passes, if we're not careful, we'll jump in and try to help God out. Never a good idea to jump in and help God out. He has it all under control, even when, especially when you don't understand what's going on. It's especially in those times. And so here with Abram, and Abraham, in chapter 4 of Romans, we see a man of faith. Not a perfect man. Not a man that's too far up there. Not a man that's unapproachable. Not a man that says, oh, I'll never be like Abraham. But a guy just like us who wrestled with stuff. It's the crossroads, is it not? Between the promise of God, the promise of God, and the depth of our faith in God. They're always crisscrossing in the Christian's life. So where God has said something... But everything around me tends to lead me to believe that God's not going to keep his promise. And so then we're at a crossroads of what decision to make. Will we trust God or will we take things into our own hands? Will we trust God and his promises even if it hasn't been five years or 10 years or 20 years or 25 years? Or for some of you, God and his promises, it's going to be a lifetime. It's not going to happen right away. It doesn't mean that God's promises are of no effect. But it does reveal our faith, doesn't it? And I have to say to you that my faith doesn't always measure up to the glorious promises of God. I, I just look at my life at times and I'm so prone to doubt. I, that's, my, that's where I've been. I'm just not the greatest man of faith. I pray often for God to increase my faith and strengthen my faith. But I'll tell you, there are times when I'm prone to doubt, when I'm prone to wander, when I waver. It just makes, have you ever been there where it just makes everything so unstable? Just like James said, that we ask in faith, we believe in faith, because if we don't, we're going to be unstable. And I don't like being unstable. And so guys like Abraham encourage me, because I know that through his life, I can be encouraged and exhorted. 
Abraham was faced with an impossibility. And how he faced it, it becomes a wonderful picture for us to increase in our living for God by faith. And so what can we learn? What can we learn? Let's pick up now. We'll pick up at verse 13 for context, although we have studied all these verses up through verse 20. If you weren't with us, please get the studies. Catch up with us. We're not too far ahead. If you want to catch up on all of Romans, there's only 22 studies. So you can pick them up and use them in your iPod and play them on the way to work and catch up with us so you can get the full orb context of what God is saying to us through the book of Romans. But we pick up in verse 13, grab some context. We're going to look at seven things about Abraham's faith. For you note takers, you can jot them down. Seven things that will greatly encourage us and lift us up in faith. Verse 13, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, even God. Pause there for a second. Number one, in the faith of Abraham, I want you to notice, number one, Abraham believed in the God of the universe. He didn't believe in the pagan gods of the day. He didn't believe in the paganism of the day. As a matter of fact, he was delivered from the paganism of the day. He was delivered from the paganism in his home. He was delivered delivered from the worldliness. His faith, very plainly, whom he believed, even God. The powerful, wonderful God that we looked at last week. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, full of love, full of justice, full of mercy, full of goodness. That was the God that he believed in. Your God and mine. Not some little deity like we read in Psalm 115 today. That's what it was taught. All the gods of the nations, they can't talk, they can't see, they can't do anything. They're just statues. There's nothing behind them. They're fake, they're false, they're made in man's image. But Abraham... What was his faith? His faith was in God. The Bible describes, and notice verse 17, at the end, that God, this is the God that gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I mean, that's a big God, wouldn't you agree? A powerful God, a wonderful God. You see, in our lives, there is a constant tension. I know you've known it, and I know you've lived it. Some of you might be in the middle of it right now. The question really is this, how big is your God? How you answer that question will determine how you navigate through life. How big is your God? Or how big is your circumstance? Because there's a tension. You and I, we either have a big God and a little problem. God can handle it, take care of it. He can lead us through it, help us overcome it. Or you have a big problem and a little God. So which is it that you have? Abraham? Had a big God. And by faith in Jesus Christ, your God and mine is big. He gives life to the dead. And he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham's faith was in the God of the universe. Number two, verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so they became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. The second thing I see about Abraham's life is that he believed God's word. He believed God's word. He heard it 
and he believed it. And that's how he lived his life. So much of the stumbling, so much of the problems, so much of our wavering, so much of our doubt stems from a lack of believing God is a God of his word. Consider Abraham just for a second. Abraham was just told something. It's not like he could always look it up. Like, oh, I forgot what the promise of God was. He was simply told it. He didn't have, like you and I have today, the scriptures, where in case we forget one of the promises of God or in case in our devotional life we want to review the promises of God, I know for this promise I can go to page 1,327. It's highlighted, it's underlined, it's circled, there's a star next to it. He didn't have that. All he had was God's word, a simple word, a voice among many other voices in the world during that time. Just as there's many voices always speaking to you and wanting your attention, except that we have his promises in writing. And here's what happens. Here's what happens in our life. We read or we hear or we receive God's word and we're excited about it. I mean, it's so great. Oh, God of the universe, omnipotent, omnipresent. It, that's my God. That's your God. He's giving direction. Then he gives confirmation. And then, well, then you hit a few road bumps in life, don't you? Not everything's as smooth as it sounds. You thought you had that area already taken care of and boom, it's back up. Oh, man, where did that guy come from? It's the old man, isn't it? The old woman wanting to take control of your life, wanting to rule you by your emotions. You see, emotions can supplant God's promise. I've heard it over and over again. This is what God says, but I don't feel that way. I know. That's why you need to lay your emotions down and believe God. So, but it's so real. I know, emotions are real, aren't they? The highs, the lows, they're very real. But we don't base our Christian experience on our emotions. And if you do, please stop. It's going to harm you and hurt you. Because when you're doing well and you're feeling good, you're a prophet to the kingdom of God. But when you're doing not so well and you're down in the dumps, well then, you are one step away from the enemy just knocking you out. You see, with Abraham, it wasn't his feelings that he lived by. He trusted the word. Yeah, he had a few road bumps, a trial here, a question there, a few mistakes that Abraham made. Time passes, and you know what? Faith fades. It becomes harder to believe. It becomes more difficult to trust God. But notice something back in verse 18. Abraham believed contrary to hope. He, is, he believed contrary to hope. You know what his bump in the road was? His age. <laughs> Simple. He was getting older. Age was creeping up on him. He remembers back to the good old days when the promise came. He was 75 or so. I remember the promises of God, but then five years came, 10 years came, 20, 25 years later, the promise still hasn't been fulfilled. And that was his bump in the road. Can you imagine how hard it must have been for a 75-year-old man to wait 25 more years for a son and still come up empty? I'd say that's a serious trial, a serious attack right to his very heart of whether he's going to believe God or not. And it says he did. Contrary to hope, in hope he believed. And he did. That's our lives. We believe God's word. But see, for us, it's not just verbal. We also have it in writing. We can go back to the word of God over and over again and read its promises and receive them. His word is unchanging. His word is unending. It's unmovable. The promises of God are established regardless of our feelings or what circumstances might speak to us. Flip over now to Isaiah. Isaiah is a few pages over to your left. In the major prophet section there, you've got Psalms, Proverbs, and it goes into Isaiah, Jeremiah in that area. Look at Isaiah 55 with me. Isaiah 55, I want to show you the, 
wonderful truth of God's word and his promise in your life. It's not just hearing it, but we have it in writing for us. We're going to start in verse 8 of Isaiah 55. Isaiah is a part of the major prophets, not, and the prophets are separated into minor and major, not because of their significance, but just because of their size. The minor prophets are a few pages. The major prophets are long chapters. And Isaiah, for sure, was a great prophet of God. We have a lot of messianic, predictive prophecy of the coming Messiah through Isaiah. But also look at this, verse 8. Especially when you consider road bumps in life, trials, testings, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Isn't that encouraging? God speaks to you today and says, look, I know what you're thinking, but let me tell you something. My thoughts aren't like your thinking. I think differently than you do. I see things differently than you do, God says. And and I can bring your thoughts to being my thoughts. But when your thoughts are contrary to the truths of God, remember this. God's thoughts, not your thoughts. So what about the impossibility? Okay, look at verse 8 in the second. Nor are my ways, your ways, my ways, says the Lord. Oh, you mean all the things that you've figured out and how you're going to handle it and take care of it, it still looks like an impossibility? Sure. And God says, you know what? Your ways, they're not like mine. I've got ways that you don't even know yet. I've got ways to bring you through that that you, you don't even have any idea yet. Trust me. And that's the word God continually says, right? Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Well, he doesn't end there. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they don't return there. Have you ever seen snow go back up? I've never seen it. I love snow, but I've never seen it go upward. I've only seen it come down. As God, he has this wonderful system to water his planet. He says, I make it, it waters the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Here's the key, verse 11. Listen, listen carefully. Listen, let it sink in. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty. That is God's promise. God's word will not return void or empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's God's word in your life, his promise. It's awesome. God says, my word goes out, and it's not coming back empty. It's not going to come back to me empty. It's going to work. It will happen. You don't have to have to make the word of God happen. Do you realize that? You don't need to take things into your own hands and say, I'll make this come to pass and I'll take care of it and I'll jump in and I'll help God out. Just believe and God through his spirit will bring it to pass. Imagine that. Oh, it's awesome. I've seen it so much. It's so encouraging. The Bible in the Holy Spirit's hands is a powerful thing. It's incredibly powerful. That's why at the end of a Bible study, we have hundreds of people walking out of this room today hearing different things from God. Same Bible study, different things. You know why? Because God's word will accomplish for the reason and the purpose for which he sent it out. And on this side of the room, you might hear one thing. On that side of the room, you might hear another thing. This middle section here is another thing. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit loves you and wants to take God's word and do radical spiritual surgery on your heart. Because the Bible in the Holy Spirit's hand is powerful. You heard the same thing. It has a similar effect, but God's calling a different response. You know why? Because he knows you and he loves you. It's incredible. It's incredible how Abraham believed God's word and encourages us to do the same. 
This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Romans right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.